This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. It is a very busy Tuesday edition. We've got the confluence of basketball tournaments. We've got baseball going on. We have got, uh, what else? Spring football to talk about, which is right around the corner. For some teams, for some teams, it's already underway. Coastal began spring practice today. Furman's been underway with their spring practice going on for about a week. Uh, the Citadel announced the dates of their spring practice, so we're moving into that time of the year. It gets extremely busy with everything going on all at the same time with these basketball tournaments, uh, end of the regular season, baseball heating up, USC Clemson this weekend. Both are in action as we speak here this afternoon. We'll update the baseball scoreboard for you. Uh, Kerry Tharp will join us a little bit after uh, 7.30 tonight to talk NASCAR, the race out at Fontana, and what's ahead at Darlington, now just a few weeks away. So we have got plenty to do. And your phone calls. I know last night didn't get a chance to get to many of them. We'll open the lines up and take your phone calls. 888-898-2525 is our number. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. We come to you from our studios here in downtown Columbia. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel. Chris Bergen is off tonight and off the rest of the week. He's got Coastal Carolina uh, basketball tonight as the Shauna Clears are opening up play in the CAA tournament. In fact, that game is just getting underway in Pensacola. It's Coastal Carolina and Arkansas State. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, There's new bracketology information. Oh, and of course, we've got other basketball tonight. Uh, Clemson playing at Virginia. That game's going to tip off a little bit after 7. And South Carolina playing tonight at Mississippi State. And so uh, these two games are... uh, of importance in that uh, Clemson is still, as far as Joe Lenardi is concerned, on the outside looking in to the NCAA tournament. I mean, look, if the Tigers split these last two games, Virginia-Notre Dame, uh, to get to 22-9, and and what would that be, 14 ACC wins, I don't know what more the Tigers can do to show that they are – NCAA tournament quality. I think they're NCAA tournament quality to my eyes. And I mean, I've seen them a pretty good bit in person. And I think they've got some quality wins. Yeah, they've got a couple of stumbles along the way. They've got a couple of ugly losses as you look at it. The South Carolina loss early in the year. That goes down as an early as an ugly loss, of course. That loss to Loyola Chicago, that was uh, an ugly loss. That loss at Louisville certainly was uh, an early uh, ugly loss. The Louisville's gotten better as the season's moved on, but you know they they have some good wins. Um, that win at NC State Saturday goes down as a very good win for them. Uh, win over Virginia Tech, a win at Pittsburgh, make that two wins over Virginia Tech. That win at Pittsburgh looks good on the resume. Uh, so, yeah, the loss at Boston College that's another one that kind of 
kind of stinks for the Tigers. They've got um, what you might consider four ugly losses on there. But who doesn't have an ugly loss or two that's trying to get into the to the tournament? It looks like a very balanced tournament field this year. So you're going to have some teams in there that um, that took some losses that, that were surprising. And, and Clemson has a few of those. But, again, they have some very good wins. If they can beat Virginia, or, or at least, well, if they can split with Virginia and Notre Dame, that's 22-9 and nine and 14-6 and six in the ACC. My goodness, you win 14 ACC games, you're Clemson, you win 14 ACC games, and you have to worry about getting into the tournament? What does that tell you? I mean, is it that tough now to get into the tournament? Uh, is the ACC you know, that much um, held in disregard? by basketball people i mean i know their rankings not great the acc this year and maybe that's what you have to look at uh, boy that would be such a shame for clemson to have that record and let's don't even think about maybe winning a game or two in greensboro at the acc tournament so they could add a couple of more w's to the list for that matter they're capable of winning the acc tournament i would say but this game at Virginia will be tough. It's important. Virginia right there with Clemson at the top of the ACC standings. And, um, you know, Virginia is viewed as a team that is, um, you know, they're 21-6 and six and 13-5, and five, but their, their net ranking is, is better than Clemson. So they're, they're looked at, you know, in a better way as far as the tournament uh, pundits are concerned, those who sit here and put out their bracketology and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Virginia is in a in a better place than Clemson is at this particular time. Virginia, uh, even though they have the same league record as Clemson and the same overall record, uh, no, I take that back. Virginia is twenty one and six, Clemson is twenty one and eight, but they're both thirteen and five. Uh, but Virginia has a a net of twenty eight, and Clemson has a net of sixty. And so, what makes Virginia, you know, you know it's what puts them in such a better place from that standpoint? Well, let's take a look here. Um, they have uh, four wins against Q1 teams, no losses to Q4 teams, only one loss to a Q3 team. So uh, five of their six losses have been against uh, top-rated competition. And then their um, their strength of schedule is probably um, – overall better than Clemson's at this point so you look at those things and you see why they're in the position that they are in um this will be probably if it if it goes to uh form it'll probably be a low scoring game you know Virginia plays low scoring games you know they've lost their last two they lost at Boston College and only scored 48 points 63 48 then they lost at North Carolina 71-63, so they're on a two-game losing streak, Virginia is. So maybe this is a good time for Clemson to come rolling into town up there at uh, John Paul Jones Arena up in Charlottesville. And, you know, if they get off to the hot start, and they get off to such a hot start start against NC State on Saturday, I mean, shot the lights out early on and built that, that comfortable lead, then you can make Virginia play your style of basketball. So we'll see what happens there. Should be a good one. 7 o'clock tip-off on the ACC network. Uh, that's where it'll be on the television. All right. Now, as far as uh, the Gamecocks are concerned, Mississippi State 
is the is the is the key here. Mississippi State is a team that is also considered a tournament team or right there at the tournament. And this would be a big game for um, Mississippi State to get a win over South Carolina at home to help their chances. Um, of course, the Gamecocks are, are playing for playing for pride at this particular time, and they're already locked into the uh, play-in round of the of the tournament of the SEC tournament <clears throat> coming up next week in Nashville. Mississippi State nineteen and ten. They have a net ranking of thirty nine. And they've got four Q1 wins. They've not lost to a, a Q4 team to this point. And uh, so this this will be a, a big game for them at home to try to get to 20 wins and improve their chances in terms of the uh, NCAA uh, tournament possibilities for them. Uh, the Gamecocks uh, coming off a, a performance at uh, Tennessee where in the first half they they came out and, and, and played relatively well uh, in, in terms of staying uh, in the ball game. But in the second half, it, it came completely unglued for them, and they got blown out by Tennessee for the second time this season. So um, no shame losing to Tennessee, of course, but you don't like to lose in such a fashion where it's uh, 40, 40-something points. Uh, so the Gamecocks go to uh, Starkville, Mississippi, where they – haven't had a whole lot of success over the years. The Gamecocks are ten and nineteen, three and thirteen in the SEC. Mississippi State nineteen and ten and seven and nine in the SEC, and they'll start a uh, a pretty good sized lineup: six two, six one, then they go six seven, six seven, and six eleven with Tolu Smith in the middle. And Mississippi State and South Carolina that's going to tip off at nine o'clock. Uh, here in the East. Of course, they played earlier in the year in Columbia, and Mississippi State, if I remember correctly, terrific defense, held the Gamecocks to 51 points, played this game in late January, and Mississippi State won that game 66-51 to in Columbia. Pretty much uh, kept the Gamecocks uh, shooters uh, under uh, under control that particular night. So we got that uh, doubleheader basketball tonight with the uh, Gamecocks, and uh, the Tigers both in action. You got Coastal Carolina underway against Arkansas State, and the uh, Shots are off to the early fifteen to ten lead. This is uh, basically the play-in round of the Sun Belt tournament in uh, Pensacola, Florida. So we've got that going on. Also, we've got in basketball tonight. You've got NC State at Duke. You've got Boston College at Wake Forest. You got Florida at Georgia, and we've got. Uh, Arkansas at Tennessee tonight, Georgia Tech playing at Syracuse, and Texas A&M, Ole Miss. We also have Virginia Tech and Louisville tonight. So we got a got a lot of games uh, tonight. They're trying to get games in, of course, with uh, the tournament uh, coming up next week. Of course, the uh, regular season will end for teams uh, this coming weekend. So games tonight, games tomorrow night, and games on Saturday to wrap up the regular season and then um, get into postseason play. All right, so we got all that to talk about tonight. Got a lot of notes to pass along to you. We've got some recruiting for you as well. Jim Corbett will join us in our last uh, 15 minutes or so to talk about what's happening in Walterboro as the Murdoch trial, the the testimony and all that uh, appears to be coming to an end, and they'll be going to the jury here pretty soon. Though I think – from what I read yesterday, they're supposed to take the jury 
to the to the site of the murders and let them see for themselves. Did the same thing as I recall in the O.J. Simpson case. They took the the jurors over to the mansion to walk through the house and see the crime scene. I think they're planning to do the same thing here if they haven't already done so. All right, our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. We invite you to join us. Since 2002, more than $4.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund scholarships and grants for South Carolina students. Learn more about the Education Lottery's impact at seducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. Before we go to the break, let me update the baseball. South Carolina leading North Carolina A&T. It's 6-3 at Founders Park. In the bottom of the seventh, the Gamecocks have two on and one outs, and they have hit some uh, – well, they've hit one home run so far today, and it is McGillis, the transfer from Southern Miss, who's been swinging a really big bat for the Gamecocks. He has the one home run on the day for them, and Denny has a couple of hits. Cassis has a couple of hits. Petri has a couple of hits. The Gamecocks have got some – they got some numbers in their lineup. Now, Wimmer's hitting 484. Denny's hitting 429. Petrie's hitting 462. And of the regulars, that's that's the very top. You've got McGillis hitting 321 with a bunch of homers and RBIs. Gamecocks now with 27 home runs on the season. That leads the nation at least by two. Wake Forest was second going into the week with 25. Up in uh, Greenville, they're playing at Fleur Field, and Upstate has a 4-3 lead on Clemson. The Tigers on a three-game losing streak after being swept by uh, Central Florida over the weekend. And right now, it's uh, the Spartans on top, 4-3 to as they play in the top of the seventh inning. And um, we've got this crappy online scoring system here that is not as good as the stat broadcast and it's harder to figure out all the information so i'll just tell you clemson scored two nothing led two nothing in the second and then the spartans came back with four in the fourth and uh, clemson came back with a run in the sixth three eleven and oh for clemson four five and one for upstate at this point so Keep you up to date on that one. Also, we've got Coastal Carolina College of Charleston. Uh, Coastal had the early lead here. They had a 3 nothing lead. And now the College of Charleston in the bottom of the eighth, they have come back. They scored two in the seventh, two in the eighth. And the Cougars now lead 4-3 to three as they play in the bottom of the eighth inning. Speaking of the College of Charleston, it was announced today by the school that basketball coach uh, Pat Kelsey And the Board of Trustees, acting on his behalf, the Board of Trustees awarded him with a new five-year contract, and he's going to be making about a million dollars a year with that contract, and he's doing a terrific job there at the College of Charleston. The five-year contract outlines an annual guaranteed compensation package of $1.1 million base State salary of six hundred thousand, annual supplement of five hundred thousand from private donors. So there you go. Also includes incentives for reaching twenty win seasons and a variety of standard performance uh, performance bonuses for conference championships, coach of the year accolades, 
and NCAA tournament appearances. So Pat Kelsey not going anywhere anytime soon with this new deal at the college. Do you happen to know what the buyout is, just for curiosity? I sakes? do not. No, no, do not see that information. Just throwing that out there. If somebody were to come in and offer three plus million dollars a year, would he still be swayed to stay in Charleston or not? I would think that um, they've made this public and he has signed it. Uh, I think that he would probably, you know, he plans on being there. That's my take. Plans on being there at least for the immediate future. But you know, with coaches, it's year by year. You know, like it is for everybody. That's fantastic, though. What just what a tremendous job he has done in just a couple of years down in Charleston, and he seems to be able to capitalize on the beauty and the love of Charleston to bring in recruits there. And I think the future is bright in Charleston if they're able to keep him. So that's that's huge news for the college. Oh yeah, twenty seven wins. If he goes, if he wins the CAA, he's got to win the CAA tournament, and they're the number two seed. But if he can do that, then get into the NCAA tournament and win a game or two, or at least win a game. That really will uh, elevate the profile for both him and his program, and help him attract uh, you know higher level higher level players. Uh, of course, today where does it begin? It begins in the transfer portal. You go see what you can find there. Uh, then you work your way down to the high school players if you have room for them. All right, going to hit the break here on Sports Talk. Love to hear from you. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. We're back in a moment. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500. Or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop, it's the light of the party. George Bryan here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. Back we are, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Enjoyed my day down at Harbortown yesterday. Hard, hard, hard to put Harbortown in your rear view mirror. You've been to Harbortown, right? It's one of the places you used to hang out when you were a child. No, not not so much, but do love Harbortown. And any excuse to get down there for that golf tournament, just what a beautiful community. And what separates it for me is the fact that it's the week after the Masters, and they have done such a great job at Harbortown of, I don't know if it's them necessarily convincing, but they are, well, yeah, convincing these great international players who compete at the Masters to stick around for an extra week and compete at Hilton Head. Mm-hmm. And it's almost night and day between the two tournaments where the Masters is spectacular. It's beautiful, but it's very, very serious. Whereas the Heritage, people are able to kind of let their hair down a little bit. It's, it's a bit more fun than the average PGA tournament. It's a bit more of a party-type feel. And then once you're there, if you're able to go as a, as a spectator, 
for any of our fans out there who may not have ever been to a golf tournament or they may think that it's not for them, it's more quote-unquote uppity or whatever, Mm. not the case. This place is super friendly, super open and welcoming, and everybody's right there together. There's only so many places to stay, so many restaurants. So each time I've had the pleasure of going to the tournament, you go out to dinner that night or go to the bar, you might be sitting next to or across the bar from a top 10 ranked player in the world. You're all right there intermingling with each other, and they just really do a great job down there at Hilton Head. Or they might be sitting across from a a, a, a Pat Daniel. They might very well be sitting across from a Pat Daniel. Wave at me, please. I'm the awkward ginger sitting across from you. The awkward ginger. <laughs> so, had a great time, and you know, that is a designated tournament now by the PGA, so it's been elevated. It's one of the big tournaments on the PGA Tour, and it also increases their payout to uh, the golfers, and uh, they're going to pay a huge, a, a huge winning uh, prize this year. Uh, and they do that, of course, to to get the best golfers in the world, who are still part of the PGA Tour, to come in and play. Okay, uh, Charleston up four to three on Coastal, South Carolina up on A and T six to three, Upstate leads Clemson four to three, and. We have uh, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State basketball tournament action. So the so the uh, the shots are the first team in our state to get into a tournament play, and now things have flipped. Arkansas State is leading Coastal Carolina twenty seven eighteen at the under eight timeout. Uh, all SEC uh, awards were announced today. Postseason awards, of course, dominated by the uh, South Carolina. Gamecocks. The uh, coach of the year is Don Staley. The uh, player of the year is Aaliyah Boston for a second time. For Staley, it's a sixth time. Uh, Boston also the defensive player of the year for a fourth time. All four years. Camilla Cardoso is the sixth woman of the year. And Boston and uh, Cook, Zaya Cook, named first team. All SEC postseason. All right, to the phones. Take your phone calls here on Sports Talk. It's Bruce out in Missouri. Bruce, welcome in to Sports Talk tonight. How are you? Hey, Phil. First time I called this month, I think. Uh, took a break for you. Well, that's all right. There's no need to take yeah. a break. But, you know, we start a brand-new month tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. But I had to get my, you know, foot in the door at the end of the month. You sure. Know? So, anyway. Gotcha. Anyway, I was thinking, you know, uh, y'all talking about the baseball team, you know, running down the hill at Clemson, you know, and they had a great experience doing that, I think, you know, gave them a, got the jollies off, you know, and hmm. poke an eye in Clemson because they beat them so bad. And um, I was just thinking, you know, um, I was thinking back that wouldn't they, uh, some guys broke into the stadium and stole the rock. Remember that? Yeah. But that was a yeah, couple of Clemson broken. fans that did that. Right now, now this is where I'm going. Now you, you just—that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking ahead of time if they do it, if they build a statue down at uh, Columbia on two major highways or byways at uh, in, in town in Columbia, but Donald Staley. If that statue goes missing. I would tell the police and whoever's investigating this thing to, to go straight to Swansea because it'll be in the middle of the uh, town hmm. in Swansea, South be- Carolina. Because? Well, Gamecock Larry. 
<laughs> so I'm just I'm not saying it's gonna happen now. I'm just yeah. giving them a heads up that yeah. if it goes missing, you know. Yeah. And he's a fan, diehard fan now. And um I'm kinda of patting him on the back for you know the, you know accepting my idea. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I'm yeah. just saying I can see Gamecock Larry backing his his Chevrolet, his his nineteen sixty seven Chevrolet uh pickup. Yeah, I'm trying to think which which Chevy pickup that would be. Just a Chevy pickup, 1967 yeah. variety. Uh, probably yeah. ha- probably has the um, probably has a door missing. But anyway, yeah, backing that up and <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, in the in the middle of the night and uh, yeah. lifting that thing well, he's off. Gonna have, he's gonna have some folks from Swansea helping him too. You know, that's, yeah, that's why they travel down there. All, All right, right, my man, we got to hit the break. Call. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. We'll be back in just a moment. Tuesday edition of Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, 888-898-2525 is the number. So Joe Lenardi, you know, I mean, look, is Joe Lenardi the end-all, say-all, be-all? Well, of course not. The committee is. But he is a guy that has been the primary guy over all these years. Yes, there's Jerry Palms and there's others, but you know, Lenardi is the name that comes to the forefront when you talk about bracketology and stuff like that. So his latest bracketology this morning, he has your last four buys, Memphis, West Virginia, Nevada, Auburn, last four in Mississippi State. That's what I'm talking about this game tonight down in Stark Vegas is so important to Mississippi State. Mississippi State, Boise State, Wisconsin, and Arizona State, last four in. First four out. North Carolina, Oklahoma State, Clemson, and Michigan. Next four out, Utah, College of Charleston, Penn State, Texas Tech. He's got Furman in as an automatic qualifier. Now he's got Furman winning the Southern Conference Championship by virtue of them winning the regular season title. He thinks Furman will win the tournament, but that's no, not a given, obviously. But he has Furman in as a 14 seed to play Tennessee in Greensboro in the opening round. So that's how Lenardi sees it. And, you know, again, if you're a Clemson fan, you're like, what more do we, Clemson, what more do we have to do to get in? Uh, obviously, win some more games in the mind of Joe Lenardi. How the committee looks at it, who knows. But win some more games is what Clemson has got to do. And like tonight, you don't have to blow them out. Just a simple win at Virginia would be uh, highly impressive. I think if they beat Virginia, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, and they should not lose to Notre Dame at home. So if they beat Virginia, they're going to beat Notre Dame. They should beat Notre Dame regardless. But if you beat Virginia, and then you assume you're going to beat Notre Dame, I mean, that's a lock. They then are an absolute lock for the tournament. There is absolutely no way they don't make the tournament. With 15 ACC wins, and 23 wins in the regular season. I don't care if they lose in the first round, but they wouldn't play. They wouldn't play in Greensboro until the third day. You know, they'd be in the automatically moved to the quarterfinal round. So 
I just don't see how I don't see how you leave out any of the top four of the ACC, the four that qualify for the ACC tournament in the quarterfinal round, getting those automatic buys for the quarterfinal round. I don't see how you leave any of those out of the NCAA tournament, to be quite honest with you. I'd agree with you, Phil, and I'll take it a step further. I'm not sure how you leave out the top four of any of the quote-unquote Power Five conferences. If we want to give this much power to those conferences and put them at a, a elevated position over what we consider mid-major programs or uh-huh. conferences, then let's stick with that. If we're going to claim that these five conferences are better than the rest, then that deserves something. And if you finish in the top four of that, it, I'm with you. It seems silly for you not to be left out. And I know some conferences are better than others. And I also want to expand on what you're saying a bit. Five teams that are on Lunardi, his list today, really stuck out to me. First of which, the first four are all ranked ahead of Clemson. The fifth is just behind them. So let's stick with the four ranked ahead of Clemson for now. West Virginia, they're 17 and 13 overall, but they're only 6 and 11 in their own conference. Eight out of 10 in the Big 12. I understand the Big 12 at least on paper, and if we use the eye test, they look great. They look like they are the strongest conference in the country, maybe the Big Ten second or even the SEC, but the Big 12 looks to be the top dog in the country this year. But regular season matters, and Chris brought up this point last week. What's the point of us playing 30-plus regular season games if you're only going to focus on what you did in maybe one night or two nights? Maybe you got a ranked win one night. Who knows what the circumstances were? Maybe players were out. Maybe they were dealing some with some off-the-court off stuff. Who knows? But because of the performance one night, we're going to let that carry more weight than what you did over the course of three or four months and 30 games? That yeah. just, just seems wild to me. So, again, West Virginia, 17-13 and 13 overall, 6-11 in the conference, eighth place in their conference. Three ranked wins on the season, but only one of those is still ranked. That's TCU. They also beat Iowa State at the time, who was ranked, and Auburn, who was ranked at the time. Neither of those are ranked anymore. Mississippi State, 19-10 and 10 overall, 7-9 and nine in the SEC, which puts them in 10th place out of 14. But we're going to reward them as having them in the conference? Mm. Wisconsin, 16-12 and 12 overall, 8-10 and 10 in the Big 12, 11th out of 14 teams in their own conference, yet they are currently being projected to make the tournament. Oklahoma State, 16-14 and 14 overall, 7-10 and 10 in the Big 12, 7th place in their own conference. They're currently in and ahead of Clemson. Hell, Texas Tech is just behind Clemson. They're the fifth team. They're ninth, next to last in the Big 12, 16 and 13 overall, only 5 and 11 in the conference. I just I feel like we're putting too much weight into what conferences are ahead of others, and they're still within the, the, the power five. And I know the ACC is down this year. There's no denying that. They are down. Is it still. down or is it? See, people have the perception if Duke and North Carolina aren't elite the feeling seems to be the ACC is down. Fair now, point. Now, is that fair? fair? Is that fair? That's a great question. Now, UNC, I think we all had overly high expectations for them entering this season because of that magical run they went yeah, on. But last they had year everybody the back. Totally agree. Totally agree. I don't think they were. I don't think they were picked too high. I think okay. it was it was reality that they were going to be picked That's number fair. one going into. The, but why should Clemson, which is having a fabulous year and has an excellent team, if you watch them? be penalized, and they beat Duke. They did lose in North Carolina up there. But, I mean, why should they be penalized because Duke and North Carolina aren't their typical self, and, and then people presume, well, the ACC must be down. Now, I know, the again, the net ranking says they're the sixth best conference in the country. So, 
If that's what we hang our hat on, that statistical analysis, whatever that happens to be, so be it. But I guess you can't, I mean, I, and conversely, you shouldn't live off reputation, you know. Right. If, if you're not all that, then you're not all that. But the SEC has lived off reputation in football forever. Absolutely. And forever. There's, there's four games on Clemson's schedule that I feel as though Joe Lunardi is focusing on. There's four games, and yes, they are all terrible losses. Loyola well, I'm sorry, not Loyola. Um, Loyola, yeah. Yeah, Loyola, yeah, Loyola, Chicago mm-hmm. was a really bad loss. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, sorry, Gamecock fans, that oh, was yeah. a really bad obviously. loss. Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, <clears throat> Louisville was a really bad loss. And then North Carolina, but it's just because of the way they lost. The fact they lost by 20, and let's be real, it was not that close. It, it, was, it was far worse than the, than the scoreboard showed. Those four losses seem to be what Lunardi, at least in my opinion, I feel as though Lunardi and these folks are, are focusing on and then also, to your point, the fact that North Carolina and Duke this year are both down is being held against the entire conference of the ACC. All right, phone number 888-898-2525. Back to your calls in a second. Let me update what's happening out there. South Carolina with a um, two-spot in the seventh, a three-spot in the eighth, and they're still batting. They're up 9-3 to three now on North Carolina A&T. So they're in, they're in cruise control Nine nine and zero to three four and one. It's been a bullpen day. Hicks started. He went two innings. Jones followed. He went three innings. Proctor went one in the third. Wheeler went two thirds. And Austin has come on and he's gone an inning. It looks like right now maybe Kate Austin is going to be in that role of closer for the Gamecocks when they get into the meat of their schedule. And they've just tacked on another run. It's now ten three South Carolina over A and T. Meantime, Upstate. Leading Clemson six to three in the bottom of the eighth with one out. So Clemson staring straight at a four game losing streak going into the South Carolina series. What does that mean? Six, eight, and one for upstate, three, eleven, and zero. Oh. So the Tigers have had some hits, but they've they've left a bunch of people on base today. They've left eleven on base. Upstate has left six on base to this point. So there you go with where all that stands. And Charleston has beaten Coastal 4-3. to Privet gets the win. He's 1-0. Edmondson takes a loss. He's 0-1. Cougars scored two in the seventh and two in the eighth. They win it 4-8-1 for Charleston, 3-7-1 for a Coastal Carolina. Let's go to Andy in Columbia. Our next phone call here on Sports Talk on this Tuesday night. Andy, welcome in. How are you? Hey, Corn. You didn't tell us, how's the national championship uh, North Greenville team doing? The national championship North Greenville baseball team is doing just fine. Do you want more than that? Do you want more than that? I would like their record. You would like more than that? (laughs) They are a very fine 14-1. and You mean they lost a game? I was going to ask you, who did they lose to? They lost on the road to uh, Francis Marion, which is a good team. Francis Marion beat them. Six to three, uh, uh, Greenville took the series. They won five to three, sixteen and five. They lost the finale, six to three. Turned around, and today they beat Mars Hill twenty-one to seven. So Landon Powell okay, I, said, "Take that." I was going to ask you if it was a if it was a weekday series, weekday game, or a series. So thank you for answering that question. Well, yeah, they play. <laughs> apparently, they play most of their schedules. Uh, are set up for the for the Division Two teams for their conference. They play double headers on Friday, I guess, and then a single game on Saturday. I think 
that's kind of how they do it. Or sometimes a, one game on Friday and a doubleheader on Saturday. They they try to yeah, squeeze it Brandon, in there on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I remember Brandon saying that they uh, only do two days of um, series. Yeah. So yeah, it looks looks like most of their games thus far have been one Friday night or Friday afternoon, and then Saturday they have a noon game and then a mid afternoon game. They are hitting as a team three thirty nine. And How many home runs did they have? Twenty-four. I don't know if that includes today's. I don't know if that includes today's numbers or not. So at least going into the day, three thirty-nine with twenty-four homers. In how many games did you say? Fourteen. Uh, if it does not include today, it would be fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah, they're having a great no, year. You know bad. they would. And they are. Oh, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, I knew they would. But now, so you, I, I got a feeling you're in kind of a, a bit of a quandary. Why am I in a quandary? Well, because you, as you stated before, for your personal reasons, you'd love to have Landon Powell coaching at South Carolina, yet you've got a Gamecock baseball team right now that's going to be, what, 9-0 and with the Clemson yeah. series coming up? And uh, well, if they, we'll if they do – 30, 30 games. I know, I know. You don't think this team is capable of winning um, – I think they can win 17 to 20 SEC games from what I've seen. Corn, you think they're going to win 20? I said 17 to 20. Corn, I smell, a, I smell a bet. 20? I smell a, a, I smell a bet coming up. You'll give me, just, you'll, you'll give me the wiggle room of no, 17 to 20? Anything. I'm 20 games is what you said. So you're saying no, you're I said, 20 Pat, 20. play the tape back. Did I not say 17 to 20? How about let's meet in the middle, over, over under 20. 18 and a half. No, we're going to go 20. <laughs> there you go. So you think – oh, you want me to say they'll go 20 and 10 in SEC play? Yes, sir. Yeah. And you think what? I think what? What What do I think they're going to go? Yeah. You think Probably what? 14 and 16 to 15 and 15. Oh, my God. They are not going to have a losing SEC record. Andy, out of curiosity, are you thinking that – based on the talent on the team or because of the injuries the last couple of years and you're thinking that might happen again this year? Well, I kind of saw him struggle. I watched most of this um, this series this weekend against Penn, and they struggled against those pitchers. I mean, I squeezed them in in between when I was watching the Mets. And, the Mets. Uh, the Mets. Yeah. There's nothing more exciting than the Mets in spring training, i got to tell you. Hey, Saturday I watched the Met game at 1.00. And I saw the rest of the Gamecock game. Then there was the split at 6 o'clock. I got to watch another Mets Where are you watching Mets preseason games? You subscribe MLB to? TV, my man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I we just got, got hit. Did you, did you just get hit with your repayment? I just got hit with my repayment no. today. No, sir. I'm watching for free. How are you watching for free? Call. I just turned to hit my app, and it's there. I'm, I haven't I'm paid calling, my subscription I, I, yet. I'm calling the commissioner. Well, thanks. You're going to drop the dime on me. I appreciate that, Colin. <laughs> a couple of quick things. Uh, since we were talking about Saturday and me watching the games, can you name the two former um, Gamecock players who are now on the Mets? Uh, I shouldn't say their roster, but they're Mets spring training right now. They're not on the 40, man. They're not on the 40. So these are two guys that the Mets have in camp. They're looking at former Gamecocks. No. They're, they're in their system. Right, they're not right. In the Ford band, but, but they're they, in their system. But they're looking. They're in the major league camp, is what you're saying. Uh well, they played in the first game of the split, so I don't know if they're in the major camp or not. Mm, I don't know. 
share? One you should probably pretty guess pretty because he's been there a while. Carlos Cortez. Okay. The other one, can you not guess this one? He played football. He played football, and now he's in the Mets organization. Uh, nope, can't and he come made up. A stop before he went to the Mets. Go ahead, tell me. He played in California, Brandon McIlwain. Oh, forgot about him. He wasn't yeah. really at South Carolina long enough to be claimed as a Gamecock, and he never played Gamecock baseball. I didn't. I said football. Yeah. I didn't say that they both. Play, I said, didn't say they both played baseball. Mm. Now it was kind of funny because um, Ron Darwin goes, "Well, it's too bad he didn't go to Southern Cal. Then he could have said he played at USC East and West." <laughs> he needs to be informed that there's only one USC, the original USC, and anybody else that tries to use that acronym is only copying because they were second. Yeah. One last thing, watching Alabama and Tennessee this past, you know, men's games this past week, mm. it is amazing what kind of talent comes out of South Carolina. Yes, it is. And for some way, we're going to need to find how to shut the doors out of this state because if we are able to, there's enough great talent to be able to not just South Carolina, but also bolster Clemson. That's well, very, very good teams. Well, between the two, they've got three South Carolinians who are starters when they're healthy, yeah, Phillips and James and Clowney between the two teams. So, And yeah. then you got the backup at uh, at Alabama, the big kid, who Trent Pringle, who's a backup. But, uh, yeah, those are guys. But, you know, <clears throat> in the case of um, James, he always wanted to go to – play for Rick Barnes and go to Tennessee. So that was pretty much open and shut. And then when Phillips left Columbia to go play uh, at a school out in Missouri, that that hurt their chances with him. And and Clowney, they never really uh, had much of a chance with him. So, All right, we've got to run. Thank you. What happened to Juwan Gary? What happened to Juwan Gary? Uh, let's see. Juwan Gary went to – well, first Auburn, he went right? to Charlotte, then he went to Alabama – and I don't know where he is now. He's at Nebraska. Oh, he's at Nebraska. Okay. He's, he's at Nebraska. Yeah. Okay. No, he went to Alabama, though. He went to Alabama out oh, of uh, – He was at Gray was Collegiate. Alabama. He was at Gray, and then he transferred to a school in Charlotte to be near his AAU coach. And then he went to Alabama, and now he's at Nebraska. He's doing well, too. He's averaging he's, – he's getting a lot of playing time, 30 minutes a night. Not shooting particularly well, but uh, he's got 10 points, seven boards a game. Not bad. All right, thank you, sir. He left Alabama when Oates came on, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the phone call. Speaking of Alabama, you know, Oates had to make another apology today. Apparently, and a buddy of mine pointed this out to me. We talked about it last night. I didn't realize this. A buddy of mine, Theo. Hey, Theo. Uh, Theo passed along a note to me that uh, that, that introduction – um, what do you call it? The the intro when the players are introduced, they go through their various things on the court with their teammates. You know all the right, whatever you call it. Uh, that the, the padding down that they were had been doing that they did the other day that has caught everybody's attention. Appar- apparently, nobody else noticed it when Miller was was padded down by his teammate. They've been doing that all season. I didn't realize that that was been their routine. When he's been introduced, this guy at the end of the the player tunnel would, would do that pat-down thing. 
not I mean, obviously they were doing that before this this murder happened. But when it happened on Saturday and, and everybody you know paid attention to it, especially in light of what had come out earlier in the week, now Nate Oates had to apologize for that with his star player and uh, you know talk about how that was inappropriate for his play. But he'd been doing that all season. Did they do it here in Columbia, I wonder? And we just didn't notice? Didn't notice, I guess. I'm going to try to find some footage of that because, I mean, that was a nationally televised game. Surely, mm-hmm. surely I can find on YouTube the video of the team introductions. But you know what? No, and I guess – when you're the visiting team, do you go through all that rigmarole like you do at home? Do you still, or, or you, do you just come out when they introduce the starting lineups? You just come walking out and slapping. Do you go through all the gy- gyrations and everything as the visiting team? The home I, team does. I'm not sure about the visiting. I doubt team you do time. as much of the pomp and circumstance. Like you don't, like at the USC games. I know the women in particular go through. They run through the like the flames shooting off, and they do all the fancy intros. I doubt they do that. But you still come onto the court as a team when when the announcers say your name, and we know athletes are such creatures of habit and mm. superstition. A lot yeah. of teams you want to do the exact same thing every game. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Yeah, eleven to three now. South Carolina with a five run eighth. They've gone to the top of the ninth. They're up eleven to three, and it's gone final. Upstate has beaten Clemson six to three. Wow. So the Tigers on the slide here. Four-game losing streak going into the series against South Carolina. 6-9-1 upstate, 3-12-0 Clemson. And for Clemson, let's see. Uh, Grice had a couple of hits. He was two for five. Wright had a couple of hits. Uh, Ferry, playing right field, he had a couple of hits. He scored a couple of runs for uh, upstate. Their hits were, uh, well, one guy had a couple of hits. Their catcher, Reinhardt, had two hits. Everybody else had a single hit. Take a look at the scoring. Let's see here. They use this uh, this online, the sidearm stats, which is owned by Learfield, which is, a, I think, a pitiful form of uh, not picking on Learfield, former employer, but uh, – it's just a lousy online system, to be honest with you. Nowhere near as good as stat broadcast, for those of you who are familiar with that kind of stuff. Anyway, let's see if I can figure out the uh, the scoring here. Let's see, all types of plays. you got to go do this. Scoring. All right, so Clemson scored a couple of runs in the second inning. One on a walk. Now, let's see. Uh, that's not right. Let's see. Yeah. Clemson left 11 yeah. runners on base compared to Upstate with six. So it looks like Upstate was far more efficient Will they Taylor, had runners on base. Will Taylor homered for Clemson in the second. And then um, Wright walked to force in a run, I guess. That made it 2 nothing. And then in the fourth, Upstate came back with uh, two runs. Uh, Caruso, he doubled for two RBIs to um, – Huh? Four? No, they scored four runs in the fourth inning. So Caruso doubled for two RBIs, and Rabin, he doubled for two RBIs. So that made it four to two upstate. Clemson in the sixth scored on a fielder's choice to make it four to three. And then in the seventh, upstate scored a couple of more runs to make it six to three. Uh, looks like a sacrifice fly. By Sullivan scored one and a triple down the line by Gurnan 
scored one. So six to three, the final score. And that is a huge, huge win for Upstate. And in fact, they beat Clemson last year, if I'm not mistaken. Now, you know, and South Carolina is going to win their game, so the Gamecocks are going to be undefeated. Of course, you have to keep in mind, you know, baseball is a funny, funny sport, as we all know. What Clemson win last year to open the season? Was it 17 and 0, including a sweep of the Gamecocks? Then they opened the season like either, I think it was 17 and 0 last year. So the Gamecocks will be 9 and 0 going into this game against um, Clemson on Friday night up at Clemson. Six o'clock will be that first pitch. Hopefully the weather is going to be okay. It's supposed to be raining some on Friday. Uh, hopefully the weather is going to be okay, but then it's supposed to be nice uh, through the weekend. So this 9-0 start, I wanted to see under Mark Kingston, looking back over his career at South Carolina, if I can find uh, the record book here real quick. I just wanted to see how this 9-0 start compares to some of his other seasons. In other words, is this the best start for South Carolina in the Mark Kingston era at 9-0? It'll take me a little bit here to look that up. Might well be. Has he ever gotten his team off to this kind of start at South Carolina? The point is they'll be carrying a lot of uh, momentum into the weekend series. And coming up, we'll have plenty of uh, build-up coverage to that over the next couple of days. I'll look that uh, information up and share it with you when we come back. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, so just looking through the record books, first of all, Clemson falls to 4-4 four and four with that loss today. And that, to best I can tell, quick glancing through the records, this is the slowest start for Clemson through eight games since 2012 when the Tigers were also 4-4 four and four after eight games. Okay. As for South Carolina, with the Gamecocks 9-0, and that's not the best start under Mark Kingston. In 2021, they won their first 12, I think it was. I think they got off to a 12-0 start. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11-0 start. So in 2021, they won their first 11, then went out to Texas and got beat 4-1, to 3-0, and 8-4. to Three And that was a year they won the first two games against uh, Clemson. Both games, no one was in Greenville. First game was in Greenville because we had a rain out that year. Remember, the Clemson game on that Friday was rained out. Then they played the game in Greenville, 3-2. Gamecocks won in 11. Then came to Columbia. Gamecocks won 8-7. And then they didn't make up the other game until late in the season. It would be in... May, May the 11th, and Clemson won that one 7-2. to two. But that was the year the Gamecocks made the NCAA tournament and had the regional in Columbia, even though they were not the number one seed. So, in fact, who was – was that Old Dominion? Were they the number one seed? They beat the Gamecocks in that regional 25-1. to one. 
and then the Gamecocks lost to uh, Virginia, not twenty-five to one. I'm sorry, God, two to one, two to one. They got a little symbol there by the two, looked like a five. It's two to one. They lose to Old Dominion, then they lost three to two to Virginia. So um, after beating Virginia four to three in that first game, so a um, little bit of background there, a little bit of history as we look ahead to the to the big series. And, you know, listen, not going to lie to you, the series is not what it used to be when these two teams were both ranked in the top ten and it was must-see baseball and all the national baseball pundits were writing about it, many of them coming to the series. That's true. It's not where it once was. But it's still very big and still very important to the fan bases that follow college baseball and it is uh i mean let's face it as far as the rivalry goes i mean with basketball that's a pretty good rivalry because the teams are on any given year pretty 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 even of course we know what football's doing uh women's basketball is not a rivalry right now from the standpoint of it being competitive and the baseball series is typically pretty competitive even though Clemson won in a sweep last year, South Carolina could just as easily turn around and sweep this year, or they could split. In fact, our poll question of the week is about the baseball series coming up this weekend. Hopefully you've had a chance to go to our Twitter, order our website, and vote. we got 395 votes in thus far. How is the series going to turn out? The vast majority believe the Gamecocks are going to win it. 57.5% of 395 votes have the Gamecocks taking a two of three. No, 29.4% have the Gamecocks sweeping. 8.9% have Clemson winning two of three. And 4.3% have the Tigers sweeping. So in terms of the overall voting, um, most everybody who have who has voted I believe South Carolina is going to win the big baseball series coming up beginning this weekend. First at Clemson, then at Fleur Field in Greenville and then in Columbia. A phone number, 888-898-2525, is our phone number. A few other notes of interest from Tennessee. Four former staffers on the football team were given show cause penalties from the NCAA stemming from their roles in recruiting violations under former coach Jeremy Pruitt, according to Sports Illustrated. Inside linebackers coach Brian Niedenmeyer Outside linebackers coach Shelton Felton, director of player personnel Drew Hughes, who, if I'm not mistaken, used to be at South Carolina. I'm pretty sure he was at South Carolina. That name sounds real familiar. And student assistant Michael Magnus are set to receive show cause penalties of three to five years in negotiated resolutions they struck with the association. A show-cause penalty is an individual sanction that, for the most part, keeps a person from working within college athletics for a certain period of time. The penalty requires a school to show why they are hiring such a person in a presentation before NCAA leaders. Most schools avoid such hires. Pruitt, as well as assistant Derek Angeli, were not involved in the resolutions. Also not involved is the school itself. The university and NCAA have not come to an agreement on a resolution despite months of negotiations. 
However, the association is, okay, here's a word I've never heard of. <laughs> Hope I say it right. Bifurcating? You ever heard of that word before? You're on your own with that one. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I have, no. This sounds like a word for Jim Corbett later. Bifurcating or bifurcating. B-I-F-U-R-C-A-T-I-N-G. The association is bifurcating the case, a new method of bringing closure to some parties in an investigation while other elements of a case remain contested. Bifurcation was one of the recommendations made last summer by the NCAA Transformation Committee to speed up dawdling infractions, the association's dawdling infractions process. This being written by Sports Illustrated. So anyway, that's a new word on me. And uh, we learned something here tonight on Sports Talk. All right, what else uh, have we got for you here? I've got something for you, Phil, that we, mm-hmm. shame on us, we left out in the first hour talking about big events going on right now with the tail end of basketball, mm-hmm. spring football kicking off soon, baseball. Well, we have the NFL Draft Combine this weekend. For those out there who care about that, and a, a number of in-state players, uh, this is just what I have in front of me. I see eight players from Clemson going. I see five from South Carolina. Apologies, I do not have Coastal in front of me, but I'm sure there's a number of players from yeah, Coastal I think there were and other two or schools three around from the coastal state. Going. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that's another big event this weekend. It'll be nationally televised for those who are into that kind of thing. You have, of course, all the measurables then the various drills. Get to see some of your player, favorite players go out there and perform and see how they stack up going into the NFL draft. Yeah. NFL Network televising that, I'm sure. Player for player, drill for drill. Uh, NCAA, we mentioned this last week. Now this story has taken another step forward. College football leaders are meeting this week in Indianapolis to consider three rules changes that could shorten game times and reduce the number of plays during games this upcoming season. The rule changes under consideration include running the clock after a first down is awarded except in the last two minutes of either half, eliminating the option for teams to call consecutive team timeouts and carrying over any fouls to the next period instead of finishing with an untimed down. Steve Shaw, the NCAA football secretary, rules editor, and official coordinator, told ESPN on Tuesday that the combined changes are estimated to shorten average length of games by seven to eight minutes and eight plays. According to Shaw, college football games have averaged 180 plays per game over the past three regular seasons and typically last three hours and 21 minutes. And my response to that is, okay, what's the problem? Who's complaining? Who's the one complaining about this? Really, who is complaining? Seriously, that's a very good point. Who's complaining? Let me see if this story has anything in here about anybody complaining. And seven or eight plays. I mean, what are you, what are you talking? Ten, yeah. ten minutes? Is yeah. that is that really worth going through yeah. all this? Yeah. Nobody's complaining. Hello? Hello? I haven't heard of anybody complain. I haven't heard one person in the press box. I haven't heard one fan walking out of a game. I mean, they complain about their coaches and their players when they lose. But I haven't heard them complain about the length of the game. The fans want to be there. And I have a number of friends who have small children, and they, they may at times compl- not even complain, but make the comments about how their three, five, eight, whatever-year-old kids can't handle a full three-hour game, so maybe they leave at halftime. But 
It's not even really a complaint. Well, it's- here's what it is. Here, you know, really want to know what they're trying to get to. They know people are going to say as they push, well, as they prepare for a 12-team playoff beginning in 2024, and then maybe two or three years later, they expand it again. In other words, they're going to be asking teams to play more games. Wear and tear so, on the body. So what's yep. their workaround? Their workaround is, well, we'll just shorten the games, and, mm-hmm. and we'll cut out eight or nine plays or ten plays in a game. That's, that'll be our argument for how we are concerned about safety. Uh, versus playing two or three additional games. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be the comeback on that. You wait and see. Well, at least we've shortened the length of the games by eight or ten plays. I did notice in that article there were some quotes there mentioned about how this puts less work on the body, less wear and tear. So yeah, you might be onto something there. Mm, yeah, right. Okay, wear, less wear and tear on the body would be to maybe not expand the playoffs or not even have a playoff. And let's just finish the college football season with some common sense. Play the bowl games and declare a national champion. Let's go home. How about that? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think we'd lose millions of dollars if you did that. Ding, ding, ding. So don't give me the uh, hypocritical argument about wear and tear on the body, okay? Give me a break. Uh, But that is happening. I don't, like you said, who's complaining about the length of games and the number of plays? Uh, I'm certainly not. Uh, Lou uh, Bazejack from the state reported today that Jason Seidel is not returning as the head coach at Blythewood. And uh, he said that uh, Seidel, according to sources, Seidel won't be back for a sixth season. And the principal at the school released a statement to the parents and the players this afternoon. And... um, so they're going to be having a new coach. No reason was given for, they're saying, a dismissal here. It's not like uh, he resigned to go somewhere else. According to this, it's a dismissal. Uh, no reasons were given. The state reached out to Seidel, but he's yet to, to, uh, but is yet to hear back. Uh, they'll start taking applications uh, tomorrow. Uh, he did a good job. He's coming off his best season, won the region, and went to the second round of the playoffs before losing to Burns in the last second on a field goal. First reason, region title since 2012. He went 26-22 and 22 in his five seasons at Blythewood. Before that, he was 23-6 and six in his final two seasons at Hickory Ridge. All right, so uh, there you go with that. A lot, of, um, a lot of changes, high school football, uh, since the offseason. Here's a list. The state's compiled a list. Here's a list of the schools who have changed coaches and have a new coach. Aiken, Olajuwon Page, replaced by Dwayne Garrick. So Dwayne Garrick goes from Barnwell to Aiken. Barnwell's not named a replacement. Buford Academy, veteran Mark Clifford retired, and Nick Shuford took over. Berea, Julius Prince out, Drew Chisholm in. Berkeley, Dr. Jerry Brown out, Eric Lodge in. Told you about Blythewood, Clover, Brian Lane out, Perry Woolbright in, Colleton County, Chris Howell out, Adam Kenlock in, Columbia, Jason Bush out, no replacement, Conway Carlton Terry out, Josh Pierce in, Darlington, Raymond Jennings out, Jamie Johnson in, Dylan Christian, Christian Wolf out, Donnell Stanley in, Dorman, 
Dustin Curtis is out. No replacement. Eau Claire, Shaq Hilton, Edisto, Preston Deaver, they're all out with no replacement. First Baptist, Johnny Waters out, Jamal Birch in. Georgetown, Jimmy Noonan to Bradley Adams. Great Falls, Demarcus Simmons out, no replacement. Green Sea Floyds, Joey Price to Patrick Martin. Hanahan, Art Craig to Mylon Turner. Hannah Pamplico, Jamie Johnson to Trey Woodbury. Heathwood Hall, Danny Lewis to the Citadel, no replacement. Hillcrest, Anthony Freight to Wren, no replacement. Lamar, Josh Pierce to Conway, no replacement. Landrum, Jason Farmer to Brent Bridges. Lexington, Perry Woolbright to Clover, no replacement, though Curtis is supposed to be the replacement from what we've heard. And Red, Malden, Sayre, Nesmith, out, no replacement. May River, Rodney Summers to Richard Bonneville. Mullins, John Williams, out, no replacement. 96, Matthew Owings, out, no replacement. North Central, Ryan McDonnell, interim coach to Daniel Sisk. North Charleston, Devon Smalls, out, no replacement. Northwood, Armando Allen, out, replaced by Johnny Waters. Orangeburg Prep, Andy Palmer to Don Shelley. Palmetto, Doug Shaw Jr., out, no replacement. Pickens, Chad Smith to James Reynolds. Pinewood Prep, J.W. Myers replaced, should have mentioned this earlier, former Gamecock, Devontae Holloman going to Pinewood Prep. He'd been working as an analyst at USC. Now he's taking the job at Pinewood Prep. Spring Valley, Robin Bacon to Nigel Pearson. Thomas Hayward, Nick Shuford to Tony McGarry. Walhalla, Paget Johnson to Chris Stone. Where Shoals, Chris Johnston to Chris Dodson. Westside, Scott Early to Brian Lane. Williamsburg Academy, Don Shelley to Tyler Boyd. Woodmont, Jeff Murdoch to Ty Sutherland. Woodruff, Bradley Adams to Brett Sloan. And Wren, Jeff Tate to Anthony Freight. So there you go. Oh, and I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing another story here. This is from a couple of days ago. Oh, we mentioned this then. Uh, Daniel Sisk, North Central. Yeah, Daniel Sisk, new coach at North Central. Okay, so there you go. That's a list compiled by Lou Bazejack of the state of the high school football coaching changes here in uh, South Carolina. What you got? Just real quick, while we're on the topic, I meant to mention this last night and forgot. Got to give a little shout-out here. I went to Heathwood Hall here in Columbia, and former South Carolina Gamecock women's basketball player, and Heathwood great, Brianna Dickerson, or now Brianna Dickerson Zimmerman, excuse me, she led that team to uh, their, to a state championship over the weekend. They finished the season 26-1 and on the year, won the state championship game by 30 points against Northwood Academy. That was in the Skiza 4-8 state championship game. Their only loss on the season, get this, was against the under-18 or maybe under-19 Australian national team, Ew. which they lost by two points. Otherwise... Clean slate on the season, many games against much higher ranked, higher tiered competition, public schools. I don't want to say any of the scores and necessarily embarrass anybody, but they had some very large margins of victory on the season. So just big shout out to Brianna Dickerson and and Heathwood Hall Highlanders on state championship. All right, as hot as they were against NC State early, that's how cold Clemson is against Virginia early. Ten minutes in, the Tigers are 2 of 13 from the floor. That's 13%. They're only down 10. I mean, 17 to 7. Virginia's on a 17 to 2 run. So it's 17 to 7. Virginia 
And Dunn is leading the scoring for Virginia with eight. And Galloway has the Tigers' uh, lone three-pointer, and he's got three. So Clemson not shooting it well like they did against NC State and Syracuse, and they're down 17-7, 10 minutes to go in the opening half. We'll give you recruiting after the break. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax. Win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Major Downer here from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is just around the corner. To make sure that your boat is ready, check your registration sticker and ensure it's current. Find your registration card, make sure your life jackets are in good shape, and check your fire extinguisher as well. For more information on boating or boat tiling questions, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash boating. All right, time for recruiting here on Sports Talk, brought to you by our good friends at Seawells. Hey, you got something coming up that requires the very best in the catering business? We suggest you give the folks at Seawells a phone call, let them help you out with the planning, and let them execute that plan. They are all Americans. They are first-teamers. They are all-conference when it comes to developing a plan, executing the plan, and cleaning up after the plan. And there has to be a plan for all that. 803-771-7385, online at sewellscateringsc.com. And, of course, don't forget the daily luncheon buffet. Outstanding every day, Monday through Friday, from 11 till 2. Make sure you get over there and enjoy that. So Clemson needing some defensive tackles in this 2024 recruiting season. And Malik Blockton is one that they like, 6'3", 268, Pike Road, Alabama. Defensive tackles coach Nick Eason has known him because he coached his brother when he was at Auburn. And so they have a prior relationship. And Blockton said that Eason is recruiting him, been recruiting him since he was at Auburn. They have a good relationship. And he said that my brother is a defensive lineman at Auburn, so he coached my brother, and he will probably have a chance to coach me too. A little indication there. Uh, he has a good relationship with the, with the family and the mom. Uh, he's a part of the family. So they're very close. This is a big-time player in terms of offers. 
South Carolina, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Oregon, Tennessee, Maryland, Kentucky, Kansas, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Texas, Louisville, Florida, Missouri, Arizona State. Right now, he says uh, Clemson's at the top. Says he's probably going to wait to signing day in December to make a decision. He wants to go somewhere where he can go in and play early. He can be developed, win games, win championships, get a chance to go to the league. He was at Clemson's Junior Day January 21st. He was also in for a game in October, and he believes that he is a very good run stopper. And he loves to uh, pass rush, but stopping the run, he said, is his bread and butter. He'll be at Auburn Friday. He's also been to Ole Miss, Auburn, Tennessee, and Alabama for unofficials. And, of course, Clemson has one commitment at DT. That's Champ Thompson. They're heavily involved with Heaven Brown Schuler and showing interest in Marcus Downs of Riverside. Per his father, Sunday afternoon, 2025 quarterback Ryan Montgomery of Finlay, Ohio, will visit Michigan March 12th, Michigan State the 18th, Kentucky the 30th, Clemson April 1, USC April 2, Georgia April 4, and Florida on the 6th, and Ohio State on the 15th. He was at Clemson for a game last November. USC made the first cut with highly recruited tight end Devon Mitchell, 6'4", 245, Los Alamitos, California. The others on the list, Tennessee, Penn State, Oregon, Ohio State, Southern Cal, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Georgia. USC offered 25 offensive tackle Josh Petty, Roswell, Georgia. USC target receiver Amari Jefferson was offered by Michigan State and Ole Miss. Riverside defensive tackle Marcus Downs was offered by Kentucky. LSU was also a recent offer. Georgia, Auburn, Virginia Tech, Duke, North Carolina, Arkansas, Miami, other offers. He's going to go to Tennessee March 4th and Georgia Tech April 1st. Northwestern running back Turbo Richard was offered by Ohio. Running back Cortez Lane has transferred from Camden to Cardinal Newman. No offers for him yet, but he did visit Tennessee for their junior day the end of January. 2026 quarterback Cameron McMillan of Fairfield Central offered by Marshall. Hit the break. NASCAR with Kerry Tharp coming up. Back we are on Sports Talk here on this Tuesday night. And in just a moment or two, we hope to connect with Kerry Tharp, having a little bit of an issue with the phone computer. So once that's cleared up, we'll try and get him on the line to talk about the NASCAR deal coming off the weekend. In the meantime, Clemson has made a bit of a run coming back over the last uh, six minutes at Virginia. It's now a 21-19 game. Uh, Virginia's turned it over four times in the last five minutes and gone into a, a scoring drought of over two and a half minutes. And Clemson has finally started to make some shots. The Tigers are up to 30%, 7 of 23 from the floor. P.J. Hall has seven points, five rebounds for Clemson. So he's doing his thing. And Shefflin's got four points. They are your top two scorers for the Tigers. Dunn 
Ryan Dunn has eight points for Virginia. But Clemson, which got off to a terrible start, has uh, turned it around. The Tigers have uh, not necessarily gotten red hot in um, in shooting. At one point, when they were falling behind, they were one for ten from the floor. Since then, they are six for thirteen. So they've gone from one of ten to seven of twenty-three. And uh, very much back in this one, 24-19 now, uh, Virginia with a three-pointer goes back up by five. But Clemson definitely in the ball game. Meantime, checking in on some other games, we've got Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State playing in the first game of the Sun Belt Tournament, 7.05 to go. And it's the Red Wolves on top of the shot to clear, 60-53. Season will be over for the loser here tonight of that one. And then we'll see what what happens with Coastal Carolina. I mean, Cliff Ellis wants to continue to coach. I think they should give him that opportunity to continue to coach. I think he's earned earned that opportunity to continue to coach. And but we'll see what happens once this game is over, if indeed the season is over, see what direction Coastal Carolina decides to move in. Duke and NC State We've got 7 minutes to go in the half. Duke is up 20-17 to 17 over the Wolfpack, playing that game in Durham. You've got uh, Wake Forest and Boston College. They're tied at 22, 523 to go in the half. Georgia Tech has a 34-25 lead on Syracuse, 920 to go in the first half. You wonder about Jim Beheim in Syracuse. I mean, he is like an emperor up there. I mean, it wasn't too many years ago he announced he was only going to coach a certain number of years more. But he continues to coach. But the program is, um, you know, it's not the great program. It's not winning the games like they used to on a regular basis. And to lose to Georgia Tech would be just, at home, would be just downright embarrassing. Georgia is leading Florida 22-21, 7.40 to go in the first half. Game still coming up tonight. You've got Arkansas at Tennessee, Texas A&M at Ole Miss, Virginia Tech at Louisville, and, of course, South Carolina playing at Mississippi State. That game's going to tip off a little bit after 9 o'clock tonight down in Starkville. And so we're off and running tomorrow, of course, the first day of March. We get into March Madness with all the tournaments getting underway, ACC women, SEC women, and, of course, the Sun Belt is already underway. Whether or not we'll have any interest uh, remains to be seen. After tonight, we got the Big South Tournament, and that begins uh, tomorrow. High Point playing Charleston Southern and Campbell playing Presbyterian, opening day of that tournament. So we got the Sun Belt Tournament tomorrow. Now the CAA with the College of Charleston, they don't begin until Friday. You got Hampton and Monmouth playing a, a play-in game on Friday. And then the uh, main draw begins on Saturday, but Charleston doesn't play until Sunday. That's the quarterfinals. They have a buy into the quarterfinals, and they're going to get the winner of North Carolina A&T and Stony Brook. That'll be a 6 o'clock game. That'll be a 6 o'clock game on uh, Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, uh, playing that tournament up in Washington, D.C. All right? And then we've got uh, the Southern Conference Tournament. 
and that begins on Friday. Citadel and Mercer in the first game, Chattanooga, uh, Chattanooga and VMI in the second game, and then Furman, your number one seed, they get a bye into Saturday. They'll get the winner of the Citadel and Mercer game in their first game. Then you've got Western Carolina and East Tennessee State. Samford, the number two seed, gets the winner of Chattanooga and VMI. And then the final game is Wofford and Greensboro. So they play the quarters on Saturday, semis on Sunday, and the championship game on Monday. All right. Uh, then they got the SEC women, of course, in Greenville. That begins tomorrow. Texas A&M and Vanderbilt playing in a play-in game. And then you've got uh, also tomorrow in Greenville, Kentucky and Florida. And, of course, the Gamecocks, they play that noon game that noon game on Friday against the winner of Arkansas and Arkansas and uh, Arkansas and uh, Missouri. Okay, with that said, it's time to talk some NASCAR here on Sports Talk. All right, let's welcome in the president of Darlington County, Kerry Tharp. We apologize, KT. We had a little bit of a telephone computer snafu. I had to get my hammer and take care of it, but we're good now. Welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Phil. Always always a pleasure. You know me. I'd wait till midnight to talk to you guys. Absolutely. And you know what? We'd find you up at midnight, wouldn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah. So, uh... The race. Let's talk about Kyle Busch, and just yeah. how 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 good are they going to be? I mean, strong run at Daytona. They got caught up in a mess, and it cost them. And then, obviously, strong run at Fontana. They win, and uh, you know he's doing all kind of great things for his uh, career. With each win, he's setting some kind of a new record. But the pundits mm-hmm. believe that this marriage with Richard Childress is one made in racing heaven. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, it certainly didn't take Kyle very long to to get a win there for uh, Richard Childress. And that's three different uh, big-time racing organizations he's he's won with now in the cup level. He won, obviously, early in his career with Hendrick Motorsports. Then he won all those years with Joe Gibbs Racing. And then this past weekend for Richard Childress Racing. But, you know, Kyle Busch is going to go down, in my opinion, as one of the great drivers uh, of all time. And uh, I, I think that uh, him moving over to RCR was what he needed. I think he needed a change of scenery. He needed a little bit of a of some re-energizing is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, I think he I think he's gotten that, and uh, you know I think Richard Childress is got to be on top of the moon right now because you know his race team right now they won. Uh, the uh, Xfinity race at Daytona with Austin Hill. And then, uh, as you mentioned, both uh, Dylan, Austin Dylan and, and Kyle had a good run at Daytona until they got caught into some, some accidents there. But then Kyle was just so strong at, at Fontana uh, this past Sunday. And he looked like the Kyle Bush of old, you know, where he was just putting people in, in his rear view. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, 
then uh, you know you better watch out this year because I think uh, this could be this could be uh, some of the best racing we've seen out of Kyle Busch yet. Nineteen consecutive seasons with at least mm-hmm. one win in Cup racing, mm-hmm. and that's an all-time record. That says something it, about his consistency. Of course, you know three different teams, all quality teams, huh. but he delivers wherever he wherever he is. He delivers. There's no question, and the guy whose record he broke, uh, you might have heard of him before, is Richard Petty. Uh, he, I think he'd gone 18 straight seasons with a W. So, you know, Kyle Busch is, you know, we've seen it over the years during his career. He's won in the Truck Series. He's an all-time uh, leading winner in the Xfinity Series, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna keep winning. I think uh, uh, with Richard Childress racing, he's got a lot of wins left in him. So. Again, I think this is kind of a renaissance year for him. I, I think it's going to make Austin Dillon uh, a better race car driver. And I heard a, uh, an interview earlier today with Richard Childress, and I thought this was a pretty strong statement when he said, I don't think I've had two drivers that are working better together right now than Austin Dillon and Kyle Busch. And that's saying a lot when you look back and see who some of the drivers that have driven at RCR over the years. That's a, that's a pretty big statement. Absolutely. Talking to Kerry Tharp, president of Darlington. And, you know, I've always, even though it's nothing, it's not a big production, I've always thought his, his race-winning um, gesture to the fans uh-huh. was, was the best, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Bowing to the fans the way he does it with oh, the yeah. checkered flag. I've always loved that. I always thought it was cool. I always thought it was creative. He wasn't heavily booed at Fontana. Do you think because he's older, married, with kids, he's maybe a – and, of course, rowdy is rowdy. He'll His, his temper sure. will get short, and he'll flare up from time to time. But now is he going to be one of the good guys in the eyes of the fans moving forward? I don't know if he'll ever be one of the good guys, uh, Phil, but I, I can tell you this. Moving over to Richard Childress Racing uh, was a was a, was a a feather in his cap because mm. y- you remember a guy that used to drive for Richard Childress, right, back in the day, the number three car? Yeah. Uh, the Intimidator. And so RCR has always been, I think, uh, very popular uh, amongst the NASCAR fan base. And so I think Kyle moving over there, um, obviously helps Richard Childress Racing's uh, uh, chances, but I think it also uh, kind of um, maybe is writing a different chapter in, in Kyle Busch's career right now because of the popularity of that race team. And and so I, I think that it was a it was a great move by both parties. Um, you know, I think it took some 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 uh, uh, you know some fortitude for that to happen because if you recall. You know, several years ago, Richard Childress punched Kyle Busch out in the truck garage at Kansas. So, (laughs) you know, I guess time heals all wounds. But, uh, yeah, I think right now that that Kyle Busch is, you know, he's still going to get booed. And and there's people out there that will never, ever appreciate, you know, him as a driver. But I think now that he's, he's driving over at RCR, I think he's picked up some more fans. Yeah. Couple more minutes with Kerry Tharp here on Sports Talk, president of Darlington. So NASCAR today announced some new packages mm-hmm. related to the upcoming short tracks, and right. uh, something about hep- helping with aerodynamic force and all that. What do you think is going to be huh. the end story of what they're doing with this package for the short tracks? 
Well, I think they're doing all they can to try to make the, the racing at the short tracks uh, better than it's been with this new car. I think the new car is delivered exceptionally well at tracks, about, you know, the size of Darlington or, 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 or longer, you know, the mile and a half, so 1.366, which we have, the, the two-mile tracks, and certainly the super speedways. I don't think the racing has been quite what they had hoped it would be at the Martinsvilles or the Phoenixes or maybe New Hampshire or, or uh, you know, some of those Richmond or some of those tracks less than a mile. And, and even the road courses, I think, maybe, uh, uh, you know, didn't get the type of, of, of racing last year that we were used to. And so, you know, NASCAR went to work. I mean, they just didn't sit on their hands and say, well, you know, it is what it is. They went to work, did a lot of things in the wind tunnel, a lot of testing. And I think they had a big test out at Phoenix here you know, about a month ago, and, and, you know, they're 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 uh, decreasing the size of the spoiler. They're taking away a lot of the downforce, and I, I think I think I heard Rodney Childers uh, today, the crew chief, or Kevin Harvick maybe say it the best, you're really putting it back in the driver's hands and making the, hard, the car a little more difficult to drive. And when that's the case, I, I think it puts on greater, you know, better racing. And so I think it's just something that NASCAR felt that they needed to do, and We'll see what happens. I think the first time we'll be able to see it will be uh, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend at Phoenix uh, is when they'll have this new package uh, in place. All right, last thing. In the off season, as you visited with officials around NASCAR, and I'm sure one of the things that mm-hmm. came up in conversation was that move by Ross Chastain where he mm-hmm. rode the rim of the wall. That was at, what, Martinsville? Uh-huh. Yeah, where he rode the rim of the wall, took his hands off the wheel, etc. Yeah. Was there much talk about that off season, and and was there any talk about you know a rule that says hey you can't do that moving forward? Well, Phil, actually they did make that rule. Uh, oh. They put that rule in place, uh, and it was an it was I think it came out pr- probably a few weeks before the Daytona 500. Okay, and. Uh, they just said that you know no longer can are you able to do that uh, uh, in in a race, and I think it was more of a more of a safety thing, uh, to be honest with you. But I know I saw Ross Chastain not too long after that, and I asked him about that. And I said, "What do you think about that?" He said, "Carrie, be honest with you, I'm I, I like the rule because I'll be the only guy now that's done it." <laughs> and uh, the same thing with uh, my boss Clay Campbell up at Martinsville. I remember I called Clay that day and said, "Clay, what do you think?" He said, "I'm tickled to death." Because we're the only track that that'll ever be done, and I think they're going to do something up there, have some type of a of an event or something here coming up for too long, where the Chastain's going up there to Martinsville. They're going to take that piece of the wall that he that he uh, uh, destroyed and, and and have him autograph it and do something with it. But uh, yeah, that they they put that into play, and you know, you just I don't think you want to, you know, people always be trying that and so forth, so on. So I, I didn't have any problem with that. I saw it live and in person and, 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 you know, when it happened and, you know, that'll be kind of a once in a, in a lifetime deal. Now you just said something that caught my attention that I'm, I'm confused about. You said my boss, Clay Campbell at Martinsville. What's, mm-hmm. what's that structure, that NASCAR structure there, the relationship yeah, between. The mid, the, yeah. The mid Atlantic region uh, is three tracks is Martinsville, Richmond and Darlington, and uh, Clay is the is the president at uh, at Martinsville. Is actually somebody who's very instrumental with me coming to Darlington mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, and so he, he he's my direct uh, supervisor. And 
And, uh, you know, he's one of the more respected people in all the sport. He's been up there for years, and his grandfather founded the track years ago. And so uh, that's that's what I meant by that. I got you. I, I just didn't know that you had to answer to anybody. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah, I definitely have to answer people. I have, in fact, I have a, a, a lady I've been living with for almost four, well over 40 years. <laughs> well, we all, we all got that problem, all right? We oh, all, no problem. I got you. I got we you. all got that. Uh, everything yeah. good at Darlington? Uh, yeah. the tickets flowing out of there? Yeah, I mean, our ticket sales are, are ahead of where we were last May, and, and I encourage fans, you know, we're, I know it's been announced uh, previously, but the top 75 greatest drivers are going to be honored that weekend at uh, at Darlington, May 12th through 14th. And so, you know, we're going to do a lot of things with those drivers over the course of the, of the weekend. You know, they're going to be signing autographs. They're going to be doing Q&A sessions. They're going to be, you know, participating in a variety of activities and a throwback parade and that type of thing. Fans need to get their tickets and come out and check this out because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity you know, it, it, I dare say, it, you know, you won't be having all of these drivers collectively like this uh, maybe in a long, long time <laughs> ever yeah. again. So uh, it's like going uh, it's like going to the Hall of Fame and having it right there live in front of you. It's pretty much, yeah. to be honest with you. And it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, history and, and certainly a, a great way to celebrate the, the sports 75th anniversary. Fantastic. KT, thank you, my friend. We appreciate you. Talk to you next week. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you. Kerry Tharp, president of Darlington Raceway. Clemson is down 28-23 at the half. So they've come back. They've made a game out of it after getting off to a terrible start. They've warmed up to 32%. Virginia, 36%. But I told you it'd be a low-scoring game. I think winner, the winner is going to be in the 50 or low 60s, no doubt. Hit the break. Back in a moment. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. All right, let's leave you with some final numbers on this Tuesday. We told you about Clemson at the break. Tigers are trailing 28-23, and Hall and Hunter each have seven to lead the Tigers. They're three of 12 from three, two of three from the line. They've only committed five fouls. Virginia's only committed four, and each has turned it over six times. And uh, Clemson is being out-rebounded 22 22- 17. So it's going to be a low scoring game, probably. 
Could be a tight one heading down the stretch of the second half. We'll see if Clemson can make some shots. Tigers being outscored off the bench 10 to nothing to this point. So bench is getting a little bit shorter now because um, off the bench, only Middlebrooks has played, um, well, he's played seven minutes. Beatles played four minutes. Uh, Shefflin's played eight minutes off the bench. So we'll see what happens second half there. Other basketball. Phil, real quick, if I may, I just, I've just i pointed this out numerous times, but I feel like I can't not again. I don't mean to pick on the guy. Alex Hemingway is a tremendous basketball player, but sometimes you got to go with the hot hand. And tonight again, he played 10 minutes in the first half. He had been out of the lineup again dealing with that same injury, and they, they were playing really well. And now tonight he got reinserted. I just can't help but wonder when you throw a player that's been out back into the mix, it just throws off the whole thing. It throws off the rotation, and it just seems like that might be bubbling up again tonight. Well, he didn't start. He came off the bench, played 10 minutes. Right, still a lot of minutes. Didn't take a shot. Nope, he did not. Hadn't taken a shot. All right, let me give you these other scores. In uh, basketball, other scores. Uh, we've got uh, Duke at the half, 33-29 over NC State. 8-20 to go. Arkansas State leading Coastal Carolina, 59-53. Let me give you an update. That score was old. Less than a minute to go, 82-67, Arkansas State leading Coastal. So Coastal, their season's going to end tonight with that pending loss. Wake Forest and Boston College, it is a 32-26 Wake Forest lead over Boston College. They're at the half. Okay? I'll refresh my page here, see if I can get more updated scores than what I'm seeing here on my screen, but no. It's not going to do it. Georgia and Florida. Georgia and Florida in Athens. 43-33 at the half. The Gators leading the Bulldogs. All right. And what else do we have here? Um, is that it for the games that are in action? Is that it? Is that all we got? Georgia Tech and Syracuse. Update this one. It's 53-44 Georgia Tech. And they're at the half. 53 points in the half. For Georgia Tech. Woo! Wow. That is. That's lightening it up. Okay. Uh, what else we have? Baseball to recap. South Carolina beat North Carolina A&T 11-3. Upstate beat Clemson 6-3. College of Charleston beat Coastal Carolina 4-3. And other baseball we can tell you about here before we say goodnight. Duke beat East Carolina. That's ninth-ranked East Carolina. Shut them out 9 nothing. Alabama beat Jacksonville State 17-3. Kentucky over Moorhead State 15-1. Missouri beat Lindenwood 17-2. Tennessee down Charleston Southern 6-1. Georgia Tech over Long Island 23-11. Louisiana Tech beat Ole Miss 6-5. Be first loss for Ole Miss, I believe. Fifth-ranked Ole Miss loses 6-5 at home. Austin P is leading Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's got three losses. Austin P leads 7-3 in the 7th. Florida leads Jacksonville 12-6 in the 7th. FAU leads Miami 4-2 in the 5th. And Wofford leads Winthrop 9-8 in the 5th. That'll do it. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.